in your home, here with us, wherever you may be. In whom do you put your trust? Amen. What a beautiful song. Our trust and our confidence and, 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 and our faith should be in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For no matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what, what, what's coming your way, no matter where you are today, God loves you. Jesus loves you. And that's where we should put our trust in him. Because the Bible tells us that he will never fail us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. God will always provide for his children. God will always love his children. God is that one that sticks closer than a brother. God is our provider. God is our healer. God is our protection. God is our strength. God is our courage. God is our joy. God is our love. God is everything to you and I. Amen. He is our breath that we breathe, right, that we sing about in this song. Who do you put your trust today? Amen. In whom do you put your trust? What a beautiful song. There's none like you, Jesus. I love that verse. There is no one like you. No one like you, Jesus. Holy, holy is, is the Lamb of God. Amen. Worthy of your praise. Love that verse as well. He's worthy of everything. Worthy of our praise today. There's a lot of praise going around in this world. A lot of praise for man. A lot of praise for a lot of things. But we ought to be really putting our praise and our trust and confidence in Jesus. Amen. Because that's, that's the one that truly loves us. Amen. Truly loves us. It's a privilege to have you with us tonight. Hope you're looking forward to all that God has for you. Really enjoyed our worship time here today. We're just going to continue this right into our message tonight. Uh, the Bible reads in Revelation chapter 22, if you want to read that with us. Revelation chapter 22, the title of this message is In an Instant. In an Instant. Look at your neighbor wherever you are and say that. In an Instant. That simply means at any moment. Immediately. The Bible reads in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 through 14. John penned this as the Holy Ghost laid it on his heart. And behold... Speaking in the words here that Jesus spoke to him, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, Jesus said. Behold, he said, in an instant, in a moment that you think not, amen, at the twinkling of an eye, the writer of Corinthians said, he said, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. Jesus is coming to judge the quick and the dead. Quick meaning the living. Verse 13 said, For I am Alpha, Jesus said, and Omega, the beginning and the end. He said, I am the first and the last. There's never a time that Jesus has not been. Amen? Never. He's always been. He goes on to say in verse 14, Blessed are those who do His commandments, who keep His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Great is our reward, amen, if you keep His commandments. I believe Jesus said it in John's Gospel that if you keep His commandments, you are His friend. That's what Jesus said. If we keep His commandments and we're His friend, we're going to be where He is. He also told Adam in John chapter 14, He told him that, that very thing, where I am, there you may be also. So behold, He comes quickly in an instant. What matters is where we are with Him when He comes. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, once again as we come before You tonight, 
we're just so thankful, so blessed, God, to be here. We're thankful, Lord, for those that are joining us here, our worship team, our technical guys, these that are with us here, God, that have come out. Lord, we thank you for everybody. Thank you, God, for everybody that took the time tonight, God, to listen and to watch, to pray, God, to worship. Thank you for those who have took time out of their day, their schedule, to love on you tonight and to learn from you, God, learn about you, to draw closer to you. God, I'm praying tonight for all of those, all those who are watching, Lord, that you would honor their faith. God, that you would feed their hunger. God, that you would quench their thirst tonight. And God, I pray that you would just help each one of us to have an encounter with you that we have not yet ever experienced tonight. Through your word, through our worship, God, through the time that we have together tonight, God, help us to experience you greater than we've ever experienced you before. And Lord, I'm just praying tonight that something that is sung tonight, God, something that is said, God, that it would reach somebody, God, that needs to know that time is drawing nigh. In an instant, you would return. You tell us in your word, Jesus, that you're going to return as a thief in the night when it's unexpected. I pray, God, that you would help all of us to be ready. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that if there's somebody out there, Lord, that needs to hear this, that's on Facebook, God, help them to scroll past Gethsemane Church and help them to stop that they might hear what thus says the Lord. And God, again, we love you and we praise you and we honor you, God. We're asking that you have your preeminence tonight, God, in this place and in our hearts, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored tonight, God, that all of us would be abased. Father, it's about you and it's always been about you. So, God, I pray, Lord, tonight that as people join in, as people look, God, tonight, as people listen, help them to hear you and help them to see you tonight, God. And not any of us, but help them to see you, God. And, Father, we'll glorify you and praise you for that tonight. As always, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Give him a hand, clap of praise tonight if you're able to tonight, wherever you are. Amen. Wherever you are, praise the Lord. Praise His holy name. Well, we are blessed, as I said, to have you join us here tonight, wherever you may be. If you're with us here uh, in the church or whether you're at your home, um, wherever you may be, if you're listening to this somewhere on your job and, and maybe you're just you're not able to watch but you can listen, uh, we are glad that you took time to join us uh, here tonight. And if you would, go ahead and hit that share button. Uh, do that if you would, and we'd appreciate you doing that for sure. And uh, host a house party, get that whatever, however you want to do it, but just get it out there to some folks and let them know uh, that Jesus loves them, that we love them tonight, okay? Um, if you have your Bible, I want to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17 is where we're going to be. But I do want to back up to Revelation chapter 22 and talk to you briefly about that here in just a second. Jesus said he comes quickly, amen? He said, behold, I am coming quickly, he said. Now, that is not a suggestion tonight, amen? That is not just filling in space to make sure that we have enough pages in the book of Revelation. That's not just um, small talk, if you will. That is Jesus making a statement. 
That is Jesus making a factual point to all of us tonight that are listening to people around the world. This has been spoken for many, many years when Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. And he meant it, right? It's quickly. In our time, we think that Jesus is delaying. It's been a long time. It's been just under 2,000 years since Jesus gave his life on the cross and he was crucified and then he was resurrected and then he, was, he ascended to the Father. That was just under 2,000 years ago. And a lot of us, if you're like me sometimes, would say, well, that's not really quickly, right? But, uh, you know, the world is, is awful old, right? And, and, and t- God's time and our time, we don't see it the same. He doesn't see this world as old as you and I do. He don't see you and I as old as we are. Time is for you and I. You've heard me say that before. So when Jesus said, I come quickly, he meant what he said. It's going to be very quick when he returns, suddenly, okay? And it's going to be in just a short time. I truly believe that. And when he does come, he's going to come very quick. It's at the blink of an eye, uh, Paul wrote in the book of Corinthians, in the moment of the twinkle of an eye. That's how fast it's going to happen, that Jesus is going to return and his church is going to be gone just that fast. So that's a true statement. He is coming back in an instant. Um, I was thinking about this message, and I remember when I was a young child, I was probably about uh, three years, four years old. I can remember back to as far back as I was three years old. And I remember being in a, in a supermarket uh, with my mother. And I would go shopping with her, much like probably a lot of y'all did. And um, I, was the, I was the baby at the time, and I have a younger sister now. But then it was just, I was the baby of the family. So um, I would go with her, and we would, we would kind of do some shopping. And you know how kids are. We would see things that we wanted. And, of course, you know, we always wanted everything we saw. So just about every time I would go with my mom, I would see something I wanted, and I would pitch a fit until I got what I wanted. I don't know if anybody else has ever done that, but I've done it. And um, I'd, I'd do that thing, man. I mean, I'm talking about I would throw a fit. Now, I ain't talking about just say a few things, and I ain't talking about just sassing back. I'm talking about look like I was having a seizure in aisle five. Okay, I was throwing one more fit. And my mother would always tell me, you better quit doing that. You don't ever know when your daddy might come around, around that corner from that other aisle. And I used to think, yeah, all right, he's working. You know how you do. But my dad used to have a job that required him to go to grocery stores. He'd deliver uh, these particular goods to these grocery stores. He drove a truck. And so my mom would tell me that. And lo and behold, I had no idea she was telling my dad that I was having these fits in the grocery store. So he just thought, well, I'm going to catch him one day. Well, I didn't know none of that. So, right, I'm, I'm in there, and I'm, this is a particular day came by, and I'm doing my normal thing. I see something that I want, and my mom's telling me I can't have it. And... Um, I proceeded to have a, to throw a fit uh, right there in the middle of the aisle that we were in. I mean, I was throwing one more fit, and there we'll forget it. I mean, just laying it down. And all of a sudden, in an instant, I felt something grab me, and I thought, what in the world? And the next thing I know, as I told you all, my dad did not spare the rod, amen, at all. Right in the middle of that aisle, my dad wore my behind out right then, right there where we were standing. And I promise you guys, from that day going forward, I didn't throw another fit in the grocery store. In fact, when I would raise my voice a little bit, I found myself stopping and looking for my daddy coming around the corner. Amen? I don't know if anybody else has had that happen to you, but I had it happen. That's almost like the perfect storm. That's one of them things like you're riding down the road and somebody passes you going real fast. What's your first word? I hope a highway patrolman's up there to get you. And that never happens, right? You just hardly ever see that unless it's you that's doing it, and sure enough, there'll be one right there, right? 
But that's the way we all are. I just hope Howard Tolman gets you. Go ahead. And you, you just never see it. Well, that's kind of the way it was with me. I thought, well, my mama's been telling me that every time I have a fit in the store, that ain't ever going to happen. Dads, what's the chances of my dad being in the store at the same time I am and him hearing me and knowing that was me? But later in life, he told me. He, could, he knew it was me because you know your children, right? You know when it's them. And he said he heard me throwing that fit, and he turned that corner, and I never saw him, y'all. I never saw him. It was just like he just appeared out of, out of thin air. And when he grabbed me, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> Amen. It was in an instant. And uh, the fit was over with in an instant, too, I promise you, uh, at that moment. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about to you tonight. Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. We've all heard this for many years, and we're getting a little bit callous to it if we're honest with ourselves. Uh, if you've been in church any in your life, any time in your life, you're probably thinking, yeah, I know where this message is going. I've heard this many times. And a lot of times people kind of, you just kind of phase out. or You kind of just zone out, right? Because you've heard the message. You think, well, this is for somebody else. You're not listening because I know he's coming quickly, right? And there's some people that hear this tonight and they turn it off real fast because they don't want to hear that, right? They know he is, but they're also convicted. They don't want to hear it. So very rarely do, do these messages get preached where it really goes and sticks somewhere because a lot of times it's running into obstacles where it's just bouncing off, much like it was with me when my mom would tell me it would go in this ear and out that ear, and I thought, boy, horns will never hook. Amen? Any of y'all ever heard that? We were talking about that last night in a small group, and I said that, and somebody said, what? They'd never heard that before. My mama used to say that all the time. Boy, you don't know horns will hook, right? And I thought, well, they will or not, so I just never, but I do know that they will now. They will, they will hook for sure. So, Anyway, in an instant, my father was there just like my mother said he would. And that's what I really want to focus on tonight, let you know that what Jesus said, he is not kidding. He really, God never lies. He said, I'm coming, and he meant it, and he is coming, right? And when he does come, he's coming to get his church and take us away. And then what happens after that, we don't, any of us want to be here. So let's go over to Luke, to, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17 tonight. We'll take a look at that and get into this message. The story here, the writer in Luke is, is writing this, and, and he references Sodom. He references Sodom. You remember in Genesis, back in Genesis chapter, you can get around 16 and go through 19, 20, but uh, around 18 and 19 is really where you see this story unfold in Genesis. And it's a story here of Sodom and Gomorrah, specifically speaking about Sodom. Uh, Lot, his wife, you remember the story, um, the, the angel appears, right, to Lot and tells him that he needs to be getting out of Sodom because the sin of the world, the sin of those towns had come up before the Lord and he was going to return and he was going to be justified and he was going to stop all that sin. And you remember, if you remember the story, Abraham, Abraham here goes to God and he prays and he says, oh, wait, 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 wait. He said, Lord, let me, let me go out there. God, just let me, let me go out here and let me tell some people. Let me tell them about what's about to happen. Let me just tell them that you're about to rain hell, fire, and brimstone down in this area. And, and let me try to find 50 righteous people that maybe you won't do that, right? Let me just go tell the people, right, what's going to happen. And, and surely there's going to be 50 out there. Of all the people that was in Sodom at that time, surely he could find 50. So God, being merciful, said, fine, I'll withhold. You, should, you go find me 50 righteous people. Right, and, and he was going to back his hand away for the righteous sake. Amen? Because remember, God made a promise to Abraham that he would bless his seed. 
Remember, he called Abraham his friend because Abraham was obedient to God, never questioned God, always just responded. He had a heart and a passion for God, and God promised him prosperity for his children and his seed. Amen? So he goes out, and guess what? All the people in Sodom, he couldn't find 50 righteous people out of all those people. Now, you know the word of God was preached many, many times in Sodom and in Gomorrah because Abraham was there. Amen? He was in that area, and there were other people that had went in that area over the years and had spoken about God. And out of all those people, through all those years, it didn't stick good enough where 50 righteous people could be found in the whole town. So Abraham said, uh, well, let me, surely there'll be 45. 45. Maybe I can find 45. So God says, yep. So Abraham goes, guess what? Couldn't find 45. So then he reduces the number to 30. 30. From 50 to 30. Let me find 30 righteous people. Surely they've heard the word as it was preached. Surely that word settled in their hearts. Surely somebody believed in you enough, God, to give their heart to you. Surely 30 people, 30 people believed and gave their heart to you and changed the way they were living. Right? 30 people decided that it's not about them, it's about God. 30 people said it's going to quit being about self, right? The selfie world, kind of like we live in today. You know, cameras were never designed to take pictures of the person taking the picture. Did you know that? They never were. Pit cameras, the original camera was, was only, it was the person operated it, took the picture of whoever it was on that side. Only recently in the past few years have cameras been designed to turn around and take self-portraits. Right? Only recently. But selfies have been going on since the beginning of time. Long before there were cameras. Right? It's called pride. And so, 30 people couldn't be found that weren't self-centered, but were centered in God. 30 could not be found. The Bible says, and we'll read it here in a minute, that people were, were given in marriage. People were just still carrying on their daily routine. People were still just vacationing, if you will. I'm going to add a few things here. Right? We'll read it, though. He's just saying to you, life continued to go on, even though Abraham was saying, hey, hey guys, Jesus, our God here, is about to, he's about to come. And he's, a, he's about to unleash his righteous judgment against this town because of the sin that's in it. And people just continued to do what they were doing. Continued. Couldn't find 30. Couldn't find 30 people that were either already saved or that would listen to the words of Abraham and give their heart to God, change their ways, and understand that God was coming. They just didn't listen. So then Abraham says, well, surely I can find 20, right, 20. Now, we started at 50, and that's a low number out of all the people that lived in Sodom during that time. This was a metropolitan area. Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a big area at that time. So we're down to 20. 20 people Abraham could not convince that God was returning. Could not convince 20. And then it gets down to 10. We get down to 10, and you know the answer. Guess what? Couldn't find 10. Do you know how many people it wound up being that left Sodom? Out of the 50 people that he was looking for that were righteous, out of all those people that lived there, four. 
4. There was Lot and his wife and Lot's two daughters. Four. That was it. And so it just, it just takes me to where we want to look at today. We're going to read Luke's gospel before I go any further. If you have that, I don't know. I guess they'll put this on the board for you here. But let me read it to you. Luke chapter 17, verse 28 through 30. So you can hear the word of the Lord here. Here's what he says. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is returned. Even so will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Hmm. So, in the time that Abraham was talking to the people here in Sodom, he was trying to tell them about the Lord. People, it was very evident that their hearts, their intent, what they really wanted in life was not about God. Amen? And so here Jesus is saying to you and I, just as it was in the days of Lot, just as it was in the days of Sodom, just as it was in the days of Gomorrah, the verses prior to Luke chapter 17, verse 28, he said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end. There are teachers, probably more teachers today, teaching God's Word, probably than ever. I don't know and have no statistics other than just, just knowing what's happening in our country. Probably today more people preaching the Word of God than maybe has ever been preached before, at least in this country. But did you know that church statistics prove that with all the Word being taught, all the Word being preached, all the Christian music being played on Christian radio, there are more Christian radio stations today than there was 20 years ago. I know there's more today than there was when I was a teenager. There was only one or two of them, at least in our area. But today there's of them. There's so much more of the Word of God being painted on billboards and all over the place, right? But yet, church statistics tell us that people are stopping going to church at an alarming rate. Amen? At an alarming rate. That's, that's two types of people. People that attend church because they've been invited, or they may go a few times just to check things out, they quit returning. But also, people who proclaim to be Christians, who probably were Christians, who now have decided that it's no longer worth doing it anymore. People that used to sing worship, lead worship in churches. People that used to play musical instruments in churches. People that used to preach in churches. Preachers, at an even more alarming rate, are leaving the faith. They're leaving their congregations. They're quitting preaching, right, at an alarming rate all over this nation. People that used to teach Sunday school, people that have been going to church all their lives are walking away at an alarming rate. Yes, I, I know what you're thinking. 
But pastor, I watch all these churches on television and, and I see some as I go by them. These mega churches that have thousands of people. Yes, there are some of those. But church as a whole, those medium, small, add them together at an alarming rate less now than before. So, more word preached, less people coming. What is the scenario? We must look here at what he says in Luke's gospel. As it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the end. What was happening in Noah's time? What was happening in Lot's time? It became a selfie movement. Okay? What used to be right is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right. If your government says it is okay, it doesn't matter what the Word of God says. Amen? If your friends say it's okay, it doesn't matter what the Word of God says. If your pastor says it's okay, it doesn't matter what the Word of God says. Amen? And so what's happening is, we want to, people, right, we, we want to have our cake and eat it too. I want to, you can't see in here, I don't think, but where I'm standing, maybe you can see over here, there's two types of carpet here. There's a blue one, and there's one over here that's got multiple colors. And so there's a line right here between the two. There's a separating line between this carpet and this carpet. As people, here's what we, we want the, boast, the best of both worlds because we want to be accepted by everybody. I want to be accepted by this side of the fence and, and so I can hang out with those folks and have a good time and not worry about any kind of law or what God thinks. This is fun. But I also want to be accepted over here because I want people to think good of me. See, over here we don't care what they think about us. We're just having a good time. Everybody's having a good time. You don't have to worry about what people think because everybody's doing the same thing. So what they're thinking is we're having a good time. There is no bad good over here. It's just you're having a good time. But over here we want people to think good of us and not, know, not think we're doing bad. So we want to be in both worlds. We want to please God because we want His blessings to continue. We want to please God because we want to make sure that when He comes back in an instant that we're going to make sure we make heaven our home. Right? And we also want to please these people because they're funding our good time. So Jesus said that's called straddling the fence. And He said you can't straddle the fence. Now listen to me, this is preaching you don't hear a whole lot anymore because people don't want to hear the truth. And the truth is, we got folks that are living one life and living another life right before our eyes. And here's the, here's the thing that God was telling us, and none of us are exempt from that. So, <laughs> so before you start thinking about that person, you're thinking about saying, I hope they're watching, right? You and I both fall into the same category. At times, we find ourselves, let me use Mark. At times, I still find myself wanting to straddle the fence too. I'm no different than anybody else. Just because I'm called a priest don't mean I'm not a person. I still I want to do some of this stuff too, and I still want to do this stuff over here too. So I find myself where Paul was in a quandary. When I wanted to do good, evil was present. The things I wanted to do that I knew was right, I found myself not doing those things and doing the things that I knew was wrong. Right? That's what Paul was saying. There was a battle going on, right, between the spirit and the flesh. Unfortunately, in Noah's time, the flesh overrode the spirit to where the Bible says that men's hearts 
wax colder and colder. Okay, that's in the New Testament, he said, in the, in, in the end times, in those last days, the love, the heart of man would grow colder, right? The love of what? The love of God, the love of your fellow man, the two greatest commandments. See, what happened in Noah's time and what's happening in today's time, what happened in Lot's time, is there's no regard for God. There's no love for God. Now, I know everybody says they love God, right? But truly, how much do we love Him? Do we know, love Him enough to do what Abraham did, to lay our life down for Him? Amen? There's no regard for human life. Oh, I love my neighbor. Do we? Never in a time that I've been living have I ever saw where people could care less. A life means nothing. I'll shoot you today and go home and eat my pretzels. There's no remorse. Right? So the love of God, the love of people is wax colder, as the Bible says. That's what was happening in Noah's time. And so when Noah would try to tell them that God loves you and you need to change, they just didn't listen. It was more about what they wanted to do. Here's what they thought. Same thing in Lot's time. Noah, if what you're saying is true, we've never seen it rain. So first of all, we think you're a blooming idiot. Right? You don't know what you're... You must be mad. You're building this ark to protect people, us, from rain, and it's never rained. Right? And secondly, if God really loves us, why would He let it rain on us? So if you're right, third, and it starts to drizzle, save us a spot. Amen? Save us a seat. You told anybody, y'all look, I'm running behind for church. Y'all get there, save me a seat. <laughs> Uh, what if you don't get there before Jesus returns? Amen. Save me a seat. So in Lot's time, it was no different. Abraham's out there trying to find 50 righteous people, trying to find 45, trying to find 30, trying to find 20, trying to find 10. Man, he is wringing his hands, trying to get to find some righteous people so that God would have mercy. Man, he's out there searching high and low. He's telling people. And they're like, what? God ain't going to, what do you mean, rain down hell, fire and brim? We've seen it rain water, but there ain't no way it's going to rain down fire from God and hell, fire, and brimstone and these things. Man, you're crazy. Abraham, you've lost your mind. Same thing he told Noah, right? You better get ready. You need to get out of this town. You need to get gone, right? Same thing Noah was saying. Well, surely if something like a phenomenon, like big old boulders of fire coming down from the sky, we'll see it in time that we can run outside the city gates. And we're going to be okay. In the meantime, we're going to throw down. Amen? We're going to party like it's 1999. Amen? We're going to do what we want to do. And when you see that happen, Abraham, how about come tell us? <laughs> Save me a seat. Isn't that right? Save me a seat, Abraham. Right? We're going to be over here in our little red Corvette, rocking it out like it's 1999. While y'all over there being all pious, y'all going to be over there praying and singing a few Christian songs and doing a little thing. When it's time, come get us and we'll join you. So today's time is the same thing. In the world that you and I live today, it is a self-centered world more so to me than it was in Noah's time and Lot's time. Now, I did not live in those times, but what I have read I can't see where it would be had to be any worse than it is now.
I heard a preacher say one time, if the Lord don't soon return, if he don't soon return, he's going to have to repent for what he did in Noah's time and in Sodom's time. What did he mean by that? Surely, this has to be as bad as it was then, right? There's no way it can't be. So if he don't soon return, he's going to have to repent for saying he's going to return quickly as, he's, as we see it get that bad as it was then. In other words, it's got to be the same or worse. I would say to you today, it's self-centeredness. People want, people want to still enjoy what they want to do even though it is contradictory to what God wants. Man, it is disheartening as a teacher of the Word, as a preacher of the Word, any of us, right, that know Jesus, you know how it is. Have you ever talked to a co-worker? Have you ever talked to somebody that's struggling and you're looking at them and you're trying to tell them and they're looking at you like you got six heads? They're needing help. They're wanting help. But when you go to them to talk to them about it, what they want you to tell them is practical things that they can use today that they can do themselves, right? What they want to know is, is how do I fix my situation without fixing my situation? How do I get my, how do I get my life straightened back out without having to do that Jesus thing? Right? Because here's what usually happens. I need some help. I'm struggling. What do I need to do? Well, let me ask you first, uh, are you saved? I don't, don't preach to me. Is that right? I've heard more of that in my lifetime now than I ever have as a minister of the gospel. I, I don't want to hear that preaching stuff, right? Tell me what I need to do. Well, are you saved? <laughs> don't preach to me, okay? Well, the first thing that we all need to do is be saved, amen? Now, that does not exempt us from making mistakes. That does not exempt us from having issues. That does not exempt us from ourselves. But what it does do is gives us power and authority, right, to overcome those things, that's what happens. You now have something to fight with. Man, otherwise, we're in the middle of a battle naked. Amen? We got nothing to fight with. We're just out there naked and afraid, as the TV show says. Right? That's where we're at. We're just out there with nothing. The enemy shows up, problems start happening, you reach for your sword, and guess what? Man, there ain't nothing there. So the first thing you got to do is put on the whole armor of God that you're able to withstand. In the evil time, the writer said in Ephesians, to stand, to stand, right? Put on the helmet of salvation. That's why Jesus started with the helmet of salvation. Don't worry about the sword yet. Don't worry about the shield yet. Make sure you got on the helmet of salvation. Saved. Okay? But nobody wants to hear that. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about you got to change your lifestyle. I didn't want to hear it, and people don't today. And it seems like even more so in the world we live today. But the Bible told us that, right? That in these last days, people would become lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. That's what the Bible said. I believe that's in Galatians. Lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Never more so than now. It's all about me. Is that right? I was shocked. Can I, can I just get on a little bit of a, a, a little soapbox here? I don't want to do that too much because I want you to hear the Word of God. But I was really shocked that when the coronavirus first started, 
I remember talking to Pastor Keith and several of us that some of us that are in the worship team here and, and all of us kind of talked about it some and I was really shocked that not more people didn't come to seek God during that time. Now, now people did, and I'm sure they did in churches everywhere, I don't know. But I was really shocked, at least at Gethsemane, that we didn't have more people that were reaching out, right? And, 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 and wondering, what, what's going on? Is this, is this part of the end, or what do I need to, what do, I need to do, right? I, I was shocked that I didn't see more people seek God. I really was. But then I was reminded what the Bible said, and then I wasn't shocked anymore. Right? Because I, it's the times we're living. These are just things that can be spoken away. Is that right? These are times that, oh, don't worry about it. Right? It, it, uh, this is, it's been around forever. Right? So uh, uh, we have some scientists, and um, uh, surely they'll, they'll have a vaccine before you know it. And, you know, so people begin to relax a little bit, right? And now it's almost like, I mean, it's just something we've had for 10 years. So it's kind of, it just, it didn't, it didn't soften our hearts any as a whole. God, I feel, gave us a warning shot. I think God shot a warning shot over the bow, if you will. You think it was hard to find toilet paper. And it was hard to find wipes. <laughs> Some places hard to find salt. Hand sanitizer is a thing of the past, baby. You got to, you got to mix your own. Amen? Yeah, that stuff's gone. And as difficult as that was, just wait until the Antichrist says, you can't have Charmin, and you can't have uh, hand sanitizer, and you can't have chicken legs, and you can't have uh, 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 penicillin, you can't have blood pressure medicine, you can't have anything until you first deny your God. Amen? You think it was tough now. Just wait until Jesus comes back in an instant. And the Holy Ghost moves His hand, as Thessalonians teaches us. And allows the son of perdition, as he said, Paul said in Thessalonians, to come on the scene. That means that he begins to run rampant. We have not yet seen, the Bible teaches us in Revelation, what we're going to see during the Great Tribulation. We have not seen anything to that sort. When the Holy Ghost moves His hand, Jesus removes the church, and what's left is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. You're not going to be able to get it. Jesus said, I come quickly. And look, I know it's hard to let go of things that we do because we think we're right. There's not too many of us. Let me use me. There weren't too many times that I was living in sin that I didn't think I was right and everybody else was wrong. Right? There was a few times. But a lot of times I found myself justifying what I was doing Finding, finding reasons as to I am justified in doing what I'm doing because of that. Because this person did this. This thing happened to me. My past, my present, 
whatever it was, my best friend, my whatever, this justifies me doing what I'm doing because of what all they did to me. Is that right? And God, if you love me, you'll understand. Is that right? You will understand. Surely, I know what your word said. I know your word says, thou shalt not steal. But God, my best friend caused me to lose my job. And because they did, I'm justifying and stealing this meat from Piggly Wiggly. Because I'm starving to death, and you wouldn't want your child to starve to death. So I got no way. I tried to get EBT. They wouldn't let me have it. I reached out to my mom and dad. They they said, look, you know, we don't have it. I've done all I know to do. (laughs) So I've got to live. You see what I'm saying? That's kind of comical. But that's what we're doing. Right? I hope y'all with me. Everybody say amen. Amen? Amen? I'm asking you a question. Do you see what I'm saying in the the world today, what, what I'm seeing? It's hard. If you pastor a church and you're listening to me, well, you ought to be pastoring your own church. You shouldn't be listening to me on Wednesday night. But if you are, you know what I'm saying. It's hard to get people to come to church. It's hard to get people who have served the Lord for 30 years to come to church. It's hard to get people to come back and visit after one visit. We spend a lot of our time chasing after folks that, that, that supposedly know God and, and tie us up more doing that than trying to reach people that never have heard of Jesus. We spend more time trying to get Christians to come back to church and we don't have enough time to go get new people. Amen? And our people are looking at us going, Preacher, you better get busy or we're not going to be able to pay this mortgage. (laughs) Come to church. Amen. Pay your tithes. All right, I'm going to get off the soapbox. But that's what's happening. It's hard to get people to want to hear the Word of God. Very difficult. Because, again, Satan's on the job. He's made life very easy. Did you know... I was going to get Kevin and Keith, Brother Kevin and Pastor Keith, amen, to play a couple of snippets tonight, but I thought they'll think I'm crazy. One of them that I was going to play is Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. I just lost half of y'all. Bon Jovi's a good guy, okay? Living on a Prayer. I told somebody today, did you realize... That what you and I are experiencing today is because your grandmama and her mama and your mama all prayed, God, bless us. God, we're tired of sitting in church on these wood slats. God, we're tired of having to use these old funeral home fans and just sweating, losing 10 pounds on a Sunday afternoon because it's so hot, but the windows up, don't have air conditioning. Lord, we want these padded pews, and God, you know what? We need lights, (laughs) amen? We need lights, and Lord, we need musical instruments, and we need need singers and musicians, and and God, you know, just even outside the church, you you know, it'd be nice to go to the bathroom and not have to worry about that snake coming up and biting you in that old outhouse, right? So Lord, bless us with some plumbing. God, bless us. We need good jobs. I'm tired of working all the time for 10 cents an hour. 
Right? Bless us. God, it's hard trying to raise your own food. Man, we almost starved last winter because it didn't rain enough and we didn't quite have enough. Bless us, God, with food. Did you realize that we're living on yesterday's manna? We're living on other people's prayers. But our generation below us, our kids and their kids and their kids, what are they going to have? Because the manna's going to run out. Amen? We got to start praying too, and we got to start, we got to start sowing some seeds that future generations are blessed like we are. Amen? How do you do that? You got to have a love for God and a love for a neighbor. Amen? We got to pour ourselves back into God and not into ourselves. We can't be like Noah's time. We can't be like Lot's time when it was all self indulgent. How self indulgent was it? I'm glad you asked. Lot's wife teaches us the power of self-indulgence. She was told, get out, get out. And the angel had to come and grab a hold of her and Lot and drag them out of, out of Sodom because of mercy and grace. While the hell fire was raining down on Sodom, I mean, it was happening, it was on fire, God was destroying Sodom. She turned around. Why did she turn around? Because God said don't turn around. You know how hard that is, preacher, when you're told not to turn around? You're going to look. No, she turned around because it showed you her love for what she was doing and where she was was greater than the love she had for God. Amen? And because of it, she lost her life. Amen? Self-indulgence destroyed the world by water. Self-indulgence destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because with, with fire. And self-indulgence is what's going to bring God's wrath on this world again, right? And He's going to rain that hell, fire, and brimstone down again because of self-indulgence. Self-indulgence means a lack of love or concern for anybody else other than me. Amen? Me. I want to please me and not you, God. Not you, God. I hope somebody's listening today. Jesus, I'm going to say something that is very bumper sticker-ish, if I can say that. I'm going to say something that is billboard material. And I'm going to say something that is very elementary. And I'm going to say something that's going to enrage a lot of people. Because you're tired of hearing it. But we can't get tired of saying it because it's truth and it's the only hope that this world has. Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Red, yellow, black, and white. We are precious in his sight. Amen. God loves you and he loves me. But he hates sin. Did you hear me? I'm telling you today, guys, and I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail, but I'm telling you that some of this stuff that we're allowing ourselves to do in the name of this okay, because I think it is and everybody else says it is, and you're just going to get on board, preacher. If God says it ain't, it ain't. Okay? You, you gotta, to love God means to keep His commandments. 
And there's more than ten. That's just the ten he started with. But there's a bunch of commandments in the Bible. That's what we have to do. We've got to, we've got to decide in our hearts that, look, I'm getting older and I am going to die. We know that. There's people dying every day. And look, what if what that little old fat preacher, that's an oxymoron, ain't it? Little old fat preacher. What if that old big preacher, you can't be little and be fat, right? You're just big. But what if, what if that fat preacher, what if he's right? What if what he's telling me is true? Are you willing today to roll the dice and gamble like they did in Noah's time? That it won't ever rain. Or that you might have an opportunity to buy you an umbrella at the Dollar General just before it comes down. Are you willing to roll the dice that, that when the fire starts falling from heaven as it did in Lot's time, that you're going to have time to get outside the city walls and everything's going to be okay? Are you willing to roll the dice that you might have an opportunity to ask God to forgive you? Now, if you're telling me that you're going to wait to that time, then your heart's not going to be in the right place when that time comes. Because all you're going to be doing is reciting something, hoping that it's true. There has to be genuine concern and genuine hurt because you understand that Jesus loves you and we haven't been keeping His commandment in order to be saved. There's got to be genuine, genuine sorrow for that. Are you willing to roll the dice that you're going to have an opportunity to do that? Well, let me just give you something as our worship team comes. I've said this before, but some of you have never heard me preach before, and you may not ever listen to me again. But I was riding down the road. Now, I was saved, but I was on my way to a buddy of mine's house, and we were going to do some work on the farm that he and I had. And as I was going down that road, I took my eyes off the road for just a second. And in an instant, I lost control of the vehicle. And my vehicle, before I knew it, had spun around in the road, shot across the road, hit the ditch on the other side, and began to flip. And all I can remember, guys, are two things. One, I remember having my hand on the as you put your hand up on the, on the back seat here against the window, and I remember looking back thinking, this is about to hurt. And I remember all I could say was, uh, that's all I did. The second thing I remember was when it quit rolling, I smelt gas and dirt. And I took an inventory of, my, of if I was hurt or not, and then I came back to kind of my senses. Never in that whole period of time did it ever cross my mind to pray and seek God. Never in that whole time did I, did, would I have had the moment because it was such confusion, such going on, that I didn't have, a, I didn't have an opportunity. Now, you may be different than me. You might, you, might have, you might have it all together when a catastrophe is coming your way, when you know your life is in jeopardy. You might, you might have it all together and have an opportunity to be real calm and say, well, Lord, I, this must be it. Uh, can you please forgive me of all of my sins? And you might can do that. But for old Mark, it, I didn't have an opportunity. I would have died and went straight to hell had I died in that accident and wasn't saved.
counting on the fact that I might have an opportunity to ask him before I leave this world. It's not worth the risk. I'm saying to you today, Jesus said, Behold, listen, I'm coming. I'm returning to get my bride, my church, those that are saved. If you're not saved, you're going to be left behind. And it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's not going to be good. There's nothing nothing in this world worth losing your soul over. Zero. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7. The prophet wrote these words. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. In other words, while he's still sitting on the mercy seat. See, Jesus is still sitting on the mercy seat. He's still sitting on that seat of forgiveness, mercy, grace. When he stands up and comes back to get his church, he is now off the mercy seat and he's now a righteous judge. And he will judge those who did not accept him. He goes on to say in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way. Repent, repent, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isaiah said, guys, while you have time, there's another passage in the Bible says, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Amen? Jesus said, I'm coming. Are you ready? Amen? I'm coming in an instant. Are you ready? Are you more hungry for, are you more hungry to satisfy the fleshly desires of selfishness, those desires? Are you more hungry for that than you are for me? Are you going to be like Lot's wife? That as I'm carrying you to the promised land, you're going to be looking back saying, Oh, God, can I, can, I, can I bring a little Jack Daniels with me? Amen? Can I come into heaven and bring a little cocaine with me? God, can I just reach back and, 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 and bring some of that, that money with me? God, God, I want to come be with you. Thank you for coming to get me, but, but can I reach back? And can I bring whatever you want to put there that may be challenging your life? See, the Bible says... No sin shall enter into heaven. It's not going to happen. You can't bring those sinful things, those things that were that, that became your God and that were holding you back from serving the Lord. You can't take those things with you into heaven. Now listen, I'm not saying I'm righteous. I'm not saying I'm holier than thou. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst among you. I'm the chief sinner in the house. But what I'm telling you is the Word of God says it can't come with you. It can't come with me. You have to deny yourself first, Jesus said. Deny yourself, he said. Self. Deny self. And come with me. Right? Come with me. Take up your cross. In other words, deny yourself first and then let the cross be laid upon you. Amen? Deny yourself and let the power of the cross cover you. The blood of Jesus walk with him amen amen Jesus is coming 
Don't make the mistake that she made. Let go and let God. Amen? Let go and let God. I can't, preacher, I can't. I can't. I'm, i got to have that stuff. i got to have that person. I've got to have that money. I've got to have that job. It, I'm telling you, you can. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror. I can overcome. Because the book of 1 John chapter 5 says, He overcame. Amen? Jesus overcame. And because He overcame, I am now an overcomer. Amen? You can. You can. Amen? Don't let Satan close your ears tonight. Hear the Word of God. Respond. And make heaven your home. Okay? I love you tonight. I appreciate every one of you. If you attend this church, just because you attend don't mean that you got everything right. If you've never attended church before in your life, it doesn't mean you got everything right. Doesn't matter. Get it right with Jesus while you have time. Let's pray. We're going to turn it over to this great worship team, and they're going to lead us right to the throne of God. Amen? And as they lead us into the throne room of God, that'd be a good time for you and I to just find our way to the altar. Amen? And ask God, if there's anything, God, in my life, anything in my heart, God, that would cause me to want to turn and look back at this world as you're pulling me up to heaven, God, remove it. Amen? Remove it, God. Show me, God. Help me to get it right. Because there's nothing in this world I want to I stay here for. I want to leave and go with you. Okay? Let's pray. If you bow your head with me here this morning. I love that song. Lord, I just want to be where you are. Amen. The Bible teaches us. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. Amen. I think everybody wants to be where Jesus is. I just want to be near your love. I want to be near your heart. Just something about sitting with Jesus. Amen. Something about sitting near Jesus. There's a comfort that's beyond all comfort. There's a peace that's beyond all peace. There's a love that's beyond all love. And there's understanding above any understanding that we'll ever have in this life. If you've ever been in the presence of Jesus, you know what I'm speaking of. There's a longing and a hunger to be back there, to remain there. God's desires is that we would remain, that we would stay there. So much so that he said, I won't leave you. I'll be there. I'll be there wherever you go. I'll be there when you're on your job. I'll be there when you're at home. I'll be there when you're traveling. I'll be there in your darkest of nights, and I'll be there on your brightest of days. That's what Jesus said. He said, don't let your heart trouble you. Amen. Don't let your heart trouble you. He's always going to be there. title of this message tonight, or this morning rather, is Full of Emptiness. Full of Emptiness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul penned these words as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost. Speaking to the church at Corinth, the church of that day, and I think he's still speaking this today, might, maybe even more so. Full of Emptiness. 
quoted this scripture a couple of weeks ago in a message, but it's so relevant to today. He said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. In other words, though I speak very elaborately in tongues of men that men can understand or, men's, men of, or, or tongues of angels as the Spirit moves upon him. He said, but if I have not love, and the Bible defines love as God. God is love. So though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not God, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, empty. If I have not love, he said, I'm empty. I want to pray with you one more time. We'll get right into our message here today. Full of emptiness. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here. We thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for these wonderful worship songs that describe your goodness, your love, your mercy, describes our hunger and our love to be with you. And Father, I just pray this morning that as these songs were going up before you, God, and songs all over this world this morning, I pray, Lord, if they're just a sweet smell in your nostrils and a sweet sound in your ears today. I pray, God, that our worship brings you happiness. I pray that it just brightens your heart. And I pray, God, that you would help us to continue, Lord, to worship you as we listen attentively to your word today. As we're obedient in listening, God, I pray that it is a beautiful worship to you as your children patiently await your word. And Father, I pray that as we do that, that you would honor our faith today and honor our obedience and bless us with your presence. We want to be full in Christ, not empty in promises. Full in your presence, not empty in words or in deed alone. But we want you, God, here in this place, here in our hearts, here in the homes of your children this morning. God bless us with your presence. You tell us in your word that if we seek you, we would find you. So we're going to give it our very best here today to seek you, Lord, as we said in our worship and in our, and in our time of listening to your word. We will seek you, Lord, and I pray that you would show up, God, and help us to know that we found you and found what you would have us to know here today. That it would help us to stay close to you, God. That it would help us to learn more about you. That we could better worship you and better be a blessing to others. Once again, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege. And it truly is a privilege to be together, to worship one more time this side of eternity. It's a privilege to be called your child. It's a privilege, Lord, to speak your words today. Bless us, Lord, as we continue to honor you and praise you today. And we'll thank you and glorify you today in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen, amen, amen. Praise his name, praise his name. Yeah, we're thankful for the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bible, we'll turn with us to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Put your finger on verse 1 through 12. Amen. 
Brother Kevin will put this on the, on the screen for you, for those of you that are at home. And uh, those of you that may be here, maybe he'll, if we sweet talk him, he may put it on the screen for us here too. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to start. But let's back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. I've used this passage of scripture many times because it's really hit home with me many times. But it's so relevant in this message today, full of emptiness. Full of emptiness. That's kind of an oxymoron. Uh, how can you be full if you're empty, right? And how can you be empty if you're full? And, uh, but that's a true statement, full of emptiness. In Mark's gospel, we're going to learn a little bit about that today, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to each one of us, and maybe it'll challenge us and encourage us as it helps us move forward uh, in this life. And it'll, it'll bring, bring praise and honor and glory to God and be a blessing to others, as we said. But the Bible says, the writer here, Paul said, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels... And have not love. And as I said to you, the Bible clearly states that God is love. So you could just easily translate that, that if I speak with tongues of men and angels but have not God, then he said, I'm just, just, just tangling, tingling cymbals and, and clanging brass. In other words, it's just empty. There's not a lot of volume behind it. There's not a lot of, a lot of good in it. You're just making a lot of noise, right? Making a lot of noise. And so this past week I've, I was... Um, just sitting and thinking and talking to the Lord, and and one day at work I had a privilege, an opportunity rather, to sit and to talk to this young lady, and we were talking about church and talking about different things, and and uh, I had been pondering what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. So I just had a question for this young lady, and I just looked at her and I said, "Listen, this lady is a as a Christian and and uh, a professed Christian and and goes to church." And I asked her a question. I said, I called her name. I said, "Let me ask you a question," and she said, "Okay." I said, have you ever yourself seen somebody healed before your very eyes? And she looked at me and she thought a minute and she said, no. Now, mind you, she's been in church all her life. And she said to me, have you? <laughs> have you? I said, oh, yes. Yes, I have. Many times. And she just kind of looked at me like, really? She was intrigued. And then I asked her, I said, have you ever seen anything supernatural in a church service before? Outside of healing. Of course, healing is supernatural. And I gave her an example. And one of the examples that I gave her really happened. I did not see it, but there are people that you can talk to today. My Christie's grandmother is one of them. I said, something like this. Somebody's playing the piano, and the Spirit of God's moving, and the person raises their hands to worship the Lord, and the piano continues to play. And she looked at me like, never seen anything like that in church service. Never seen anything supernatural in church service. And then she asked me, have you? I said, yes, I have. Many times. And so it began to make me think as I was watching, I was listening to some, some videos and some, and some YouTube things and some different things. And I was listening to some different ministers and different preachers and different things. And I listened to some of the songs that they were singing all about... Jesus' healing, all about Jesus' love, all about all these things that you and I hear about, the attributes of Christ, right? And then my mind went over to, to, to uh, Mark's gospel as well. I believe it's around verse 12. It talks about these signs, Jesus said, shall follow believers. And there were some things that we would be able to cast out demons in Jesus' name, that we would be able to lay hands on the sick 
and they would recover. They would be able to speak in tongues. For those of you that are watching today that doubt that are ministers that may be watching today if you're not having church, that doubt that read Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. That they would be able to speak with other tongues. Again, as the Holy Ghost gives the utterance. He named several things there, but signs that follow believers. And as I was thinking this week, I was thinking about how when you go to church, I think there's a lot of folks that go to church, and it's noised abroad, okay? So if you go to Mark's Gospel, thank you, buddy. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2 here, you'll read right here in verse 1. Now, when Jesus entered into a town here called Capernaum, this is, this is in northern Galilee, at the northern edge of Galilee, right on the water. Northern, I mean, I mean I'm serious, it was right on the water. And this is a place that was called, that's known as the town of Jesus because he spent so much time in this Capernaum, Capernaum area. It said, what he, but when he entered into Capernaum again after some days, that it was, back up one more time if you would, that it was, the King James says, noised abroad. Or it was heard that he was in the house. Right? When he walked into Capernaum, and then he went into the place that he was going to be at, the Bible says it was made known, right? That he, or it was heard, made known that he was in the house. I think a lot of times we tell people about our church services. We tell people about how great God is. We tell them that God can handle their situations. And we tell them that, there's nothing God can't do for you. We tell them that they can be healed. Now, I understand there's some, some things, you know, God's, God's intent maybe not for somebody to be healed. There's reasons you and I don't know. But people can be healed. Amen? They can. So we tell people about things. We read about things that the Bible says should be happening in our lives and in church. Now, listen to me. I'm not just talking about it has to happen in the house of God here, but it should be happening in the house of God here, Right? These signs that follow believers, we should be, these things should be happening. So we talk to people about God, we talk to Him about what He can do, and, and it's noised about Him being there. But when people get there, they don't receive what they heard. You ever had anybody tell you, boy, you really need to come to our church. Boy, the Spirit of God is really moving in our church. You ever been here, been here, been here, been here, all these things, and you go... But nothing happens. You ever been there? You go somewhere because people say, boy, I tell you, you can really feel the love of God there. You can really experience Him there. You can, you, you can really, whatever it is you want to put on that. And people go, I think there is a tremendous hunger because there's a tremendous emptiness. And it's, it's noised that He's at Gethsemane. Right? It's noised that He's at Hodges Church of God. Or it's noised that He's at the Presbyterian Church and Where Souls. Right? When he comes back around, he's, he's around whatever area. And it just seems like if there's people talking about Jesus, there are going to be people flocking to where he's at. Because he said, if I'm lifted up, he said, I'll draw all men unto me. So I kind of touched on this a little bit Wednesday night, a little different message. But so how do you lift up Jesus? How do you, get, how do you lift him up to the point that people are drawn? Right? Well, I think we're doing a pretty good job of telling people about God. I think we're doing a pretty good job of telling people to come to church. But I don't know that when they get there, they're experiencing what's about to happen right here. It was noised abroad. It was made known that he was in the house, and he was. Amen? He was there. 
How awesome is it if you could come to church, somebody said Jesus is in that building, and you came in, and lo and behold, he was here. How awesome would that be? Let me ask you a question. Let me put it better this way. Do you think that we would have any trouble filling this church if somebody went out, somebody's, 10 or 15 of us in the communion said, hey, Jesus is in the church at Gethsemane. And everybody said, oh, yeah, I hear he's everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure his spirit said, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about spirit. I mean, the man is sitting on the second row of the, of the altar. He's sitting there in his sandals, in his, what he would wear in his attire in Jerusalem. I mean, we were just sitting there practicing worship songs, and Jesus showed up. I mean, he's speaking Hebrew to us right now. We don't have a word. We don't understand the thing he's saying. But he's speaking Hebrew. And we're hoping he's going to translate to English here in just a minute. I promise you that you wouldn't have any trouble getting this building full of people. Number one, to see if you've lost your mind. Number two, to see if you're telling the truth. And number three, because they want to see him. It don't matter what people say in this world. If they don't, they say, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in that mess. I'm an atheist. If you told them he was here, they'd be here. Because they want to see for their own selves. We wouldn't have a problem filling the church without a problem putting them some, parking them. Or trying to find a place to put them outside of here because this would not hold them. And that's what happens when Jesus is there. Right? That's what happens. So it was noise abroad that he was in the house. Here, spoken. In verse 2 it said, Immediately many were gathered together, as I said to you, so that there was no more room, not even around the door, and he spoke the word to them. As soon as it was noise that he was there, man, he filled the house to the point there was no more room, not even to the door, it says. They were backed up, packed in tight as they could all the way to the door, and nobody else could get in to where Jesus was. Right? Nobody could. And Jesus began to speak the word of God to them. So again, it just, it just shows you that when he's truly there, you'll have no problem filling your church. Amen? We will have no problem filling this church when Jesus is here. Amen? Now, there's times that Jesus is here. We've seen some things in our church in our nine years of existence. We've seen God do some pretty amazing things in our church. We're very fortunate to see people still come to the altar and pray and seek God and be saved. We still see that here at our church. We still see people crying out to God that are saved, just asking Him to bless them and help them. We've seen those things. Amen? We've even seen some people healed in our church. But we don't see it like, we've, like we used to see it or like we can see it. And some churches aren't even experiencing that, right? Not at all. It just becomes routine, right? It just becomes emptiness. It becomes ritualistic. We just stand up and talk about how great God is, and we sing with passion and hunger, or we speak with passion and hunger, and we go through all the motions, but something's missing. Is that right? Something's missing, and of course that's Jesus. And what happens? Why is that? We're going to look at this here today. So, full of emptiness. But just remember, when it was heard that Jesus was there, they filled that place to, to overcapacity that even around the doors, they could not get in, not one more person. I just envision people standing all around the outside of the house, five or six or seven or eight people deep, trying to just hear just a little bit, trying to see. Because right? they knew where Jesus was, that there was going to be miracles. Where Jesus was, there was going to be healing. Because Jesus can't look upon hunger and not fill it. Amen? 
He cannot look upon hunger and not feel it. Kind of like your grandmama. If you go to your grandmama's house, she's always going to want to feed you. Mine did. Every time I went in, you want something to eat? Do you want something to eat? I mean, I must have looked like I wanted something to eat every time I went in there. Do you want something to eat? Right? They just look at you, and that's the first thing. Christy's daddy does the same thing to me. Don't matter how many times you go see Roger, one of the first things he's going to say to you is, you want something to eat. That's just the way he is. Okay? So same thing here. Jesus can't, he can't overlook hunger. But I want you to hear something, okay? The healing's not what Jesus was after. Yes, he wants you to heal because he don't want you to suffer. Yes, he wants you healed because he said so in his word that he would do that for you and his father loves you, right? And he loves you. But healing is just the avenue to salvation, amen? He understood these, some of these people that were coming had not a relationship with Jesus, some of these people that were coming were just coming because they were drawn to him because they'd heard about what he could do. And as they were there, Jesus looked on them and he healed them. Okay, he healed them. You're going to see that here in just a second. You'll see that. So he understood that that drawing, right, when, when things would happen like that, he, he heals this person. And that person went out and told somebody about what Jesus did for them. It's going to cause them to want to come too. Jesus didn't say in his word, I came to heal that which was sick, although he did, but that wasn't his number one thing. What did he say? The Son of Man comes to save that which is lost. Amen? That's why Jesus came. He came that you and I would be saved and that we would be pardoned from that awful place called the lake of fire in the end. That's why Jesus came. The healing, the miracles, those things, those blessings are fringe benefits. Those are things that God does because he loves us. But that's that drawing right? It draws people because they have a need, but they don't understand the greatest need they have is in their heart. Remember what he said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus went to him, never even asked him to save him. Nicodemus went to him and said, hey, we understand that you are, that you are a teacher of the law, right? He was just trying to ask some questions, and Jesus cut him off and said, you must be born again. Is that right? He was seeking other things rather than salvation, but Jesus saw right to the heart, you need to be saved. Don't worry about all that. Yeah, let's get you saved, then we'll talk about all that. Right? So these signs that follow believers, I've been around a lot of people that are praying. So they said, I, wanna, I want the Holy Ghost. I said, why do you want the Holy Ghost? The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because I want to speak in tongues. That's the wrong answer. Right? You don't want the Holy Ghost so you can speak in tongues. To speak in tongues is just evidence that you've received it. Right? You want, to, you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it's the power to overcome the enemy. Amen? That's what it is. So it goes back to that song. Let's seek the healer rather than the healing. Amen? Let's seek, let's seek the Savior rather than the saving. Let's seek, you can put what you want to put in. You know the song. I forget who sings it. But it's so true. When we desire, when we desire anything of God, it should be to desire Him. God, I desire you. Christ, I desire you. How awesome would it be if people were just coming to the house of God here or just coming to this house that He was in just because they just wanted to see Jesus? All they wanted to do was talk to him. All they wanted to do was love on him. All they wanted to do was hug him. All they wanted to do was just worship him. How awesome would that have been? But most of these people were coming, dragging sick people with them, dragging different things, right, because they knew what Jesus could do. They were coming for the benefits rather than the one who gives the benefits. I want to take you back to Mary and Martha. It's a great story there, right? Mary came for Jesus. Is that right? Martha came also to prepare for Jesus, but everybody else as well. But Mary went specifically just to listen to Jesus and just to worship Him. 
That's all she came for. And that's what we should be coming for. Right? I think, now I'm going to say this, and this is going to probably, I'm going to get a lot of text for this, but I'm going to try to explain it. Really, we should be coming to the house of God on Sundays. Did you know that Sunday, this worship time that we have, is symbolic of what they did in the Old Testament when they went to the tabernacle. When they went to the tabernacle, the reason, the reason that we're supposed to be here today is to praise and worship and honor and glorify Christ. That's why we come together in the house of God. That's why we're here, ultimately, is to thank Him and to praise Him collectively as a body of believers. Yes, it's a time that we're to hear His word. Yes, it's a time that we can receive things. But ultimately, we're here just to praise and worship Him. That's why we're here. Church happens outside of church. Did y'all hear what I said? Church happens outside of church. We should be carrying on church all through the week. We should be praying through the week. We should be reading the Word of God. We should be preaching the Word of God to people. We should be doing all these things with people all through the week. And because of the benefits and blessings of God, because we've led somebody to Christ, they want to come here and say, thank you, Lord. Amen? And we want to come here and say, thank you, Lord. Not that you can't come and receive Christ here. Not that we're not supposed to tell people, come to church that you can be saved. Come to church that you can be healed. You can be saved and healed outside those doors. Right? Church happens out there. We should come here to just praise Him. Amen? And honor Him and glorify Him in all aspects, whether it's taking up the offering, whether it's listening to His Word, whether it's, whether it's worshiping. But just worship the Lord. Right? True, unbridled worship is what we should be doing. But how awesome would it have been if that was all that was happening there? Right? How awesome would it have been? And it, now listen, I'm going somewhere with this because here in a minute you're going to see where somebody was blessed. And there was a few somebodies, I'm sure, but we hear of one right here. But the Bible says that if we seek Him first and His righteousness, then all other things will be added unto us. Raise your hand if you've heard that more than a million times. Spiritual, or just kind of, I know you hadn't heard it a million times, but you know what I mean. That scripture has been quoted as much as almost as much as John 3.16. Right? We say that to people all the time. Damien, if you would just seek the Lord and His righteousness, all other things will be added unto you, brother. That's all you got to do. Right? And we, we say that so easily, but didn't that sound empty to you? Just seek the Lord with all your heart, right? Just seek Him first, and He'll, he'll give you everything else. It's kind of like when you walk up to somebody that's going through trouble, and they, they're trying to tell you what they're going through. They just need you to listen. They just want to tell you. They just want... They just want you to be able to, they don't really want you to fix the problem. They just want you to listen. And we say some pretty cold things back, and it's going to sound wrong. But somebody just pour their heart out to us, and they're really looking for what do I do? And what do we say? Hang in there, I'm praying for you. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for them, and I'm not saying we shouldn't say that. But you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of empty, right? I'm praying for you. How many times y'all get a text that said, please remember this prayer, and what do we do? Praying now. I will well, how many of y'all like me wondering, I wonder if that person really prayed for me? Or if they just got it off their phone real quick instead of praying, right? I just know how I am at work sometimes. A lot of them things are coming across, and you just want to, you want them to know that you got it. You want to know that you're praying. So you hit it real fast praying for you. Well, look, if I don't pray for you right then, there's a good chance I won't pray for you for two or three hours. You could be dead by the time I start praying. Because you know how it is at work, we all get busy. As soon as I get a text message, 15 people line up at my door, and it's over. Nobody even got there all day until that happened. That's the way Satan works. So i got to pray for you right then. And I'm sure everybody's the same way. But there's a lot of empty words today in church. And, we're, and I think we're all going to try to find all this that we've heard about. I think people truly are looking for 
looking for truth. They're looking for all these things, but unfortunately not finding in a lot of cases. And we'll talk about why. Next verse. I think it's next th- uh, verse 3. It said, Four people came carrying a paralytic to him. So there were four of them that were carrying him, and him being the fifth one. So this man here was paralyzed. Remember I told you, wherever Jesus was, people are coming because they know what he can do. So here we are. These people bring this fellow to where Jesus was. And remember, they can't get in. Let's go to the next verse. They can't, they can't find their way in. When they could not come near to him for the crowd, listen what happens next. They removed the roof where he was. When he had broken it up, they let down the mat or the bed that the paralytic man was lying on. When they got where Jesus was, they met some obstacles. There was something standing in the way of getting to Jesus. There was something standing in the way of getting to the deliverance that they were after. There was something standing in the way of them receiving that victory that they were after. Something standing in the way of them not being able to stand in the presence of Jesus. They heard about him. They got excited about it, right? They thought, man, we've got this need. We're excited. They had a hunger. They grabbed this old boy. Didn't say he wanted to go. They just got him. Took him down there where Jesus was. Man, they were rushing over there to hurry up and get there before he leaves. Right? Church starts at 1030. We've got to hurry up and get there. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We've got to hurry up and get there. In my heart, I know there's things that I've got going on. I've got to get to where this Jesus is. They tell me he's down there at Gethsemane. Let's go. And then they get here. Well, we ain't had this problem yet. <laughs> well, we did the first day. There's nowhere to get sit down, right? There's nowhere to go in. There's nowhere to sit down. There's nowhere to park. So here they are. They get there, and lo and behold, they just there's nothing, right? Now, what are we going to do now? We, we can't even get in there. And here's probably what the thought was. That's just like my life. <laughs> I try, everything I do, just something falls apart, right? Everything I do, there's always something in the way. Here it is. We don't we carry this old boy. We have labored. We have bore this burden. They had to carry this guy. Now, that's dead weight along with his bed. These four guys, they didn't say how far they came, but I don't know about you, but try to carry somebody from here across the street, that'll wear you out. Now, again, I don't know how far they came with him, but there was a burden, right? They were bearing this burden, and they weren't just bearing it that day to get to Jesus. They've been probably taking care of this old boy for, for most of his life. Doesn't say whether these are brothers, doesn't say whether they're friends, but they had a concern, so I got to believe there were some caregivers that were picking this old boy up and going. Because not only was he in need, they were in need. Okay, they were tired of carrying the burden. But here, when they get there to where Jesus is, they can't even see him. They don't see him. They don't even hear him. They just know he's in there because they said he was in there. They had no way, so here's this wall. Here's this obstacle. Here they are. Well, I guess that's it, right? I, I, well, I guess you're going to be this way the rest of your life. But let me tell you something. When you get to a place where you've carried a burden long enough, you'll do whatever you got to do. Is that right? You'll do whatever it takes to try to find this Jesus. Regardless of whether when you walk in the building you don't find him or not, you don't stop there. Amen? You keep going till you find him. And this is what happens here. The Bible says that they got up on top of this roof. So what did they do? They rose themselves above their issue. They rose themselves above their burden. So you, you got to get yourself to a point where you, want, you just say to yourself, no matter what stands in my way, I'm going to rise above that. Amen? I'm going to rise above that situation or that issue. You got to. You can't stay down there where it is. You can't give up at the very first sign of adversity. 
Amen? If you don't find Jesus in that place where somebody told you he was, it does not mean he's not existent. It does not mean that he's not wherever he needs to be because he says he's everywhere. So just because you come in and you don't feel him in that church service doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean that he can't be found. It's just right there at that particular moment. Ain't nobody doing what they need to do to bring him there. Amen? Somebody had to invite Jesus into this house. Did you hear what I said? Now, it doesn't say that here. It just says when he entered the house. But we know the Bible says that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus had no home. So everywhere he went, people invited him in. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to walk in and just knock on the door and say, Get out of the way. Let me, I'm coming in. I'm Jesus. Y'all just get back. Jesus went where Jesus is wanted. Amen? So somebody had to invite him in. Amen? Somebody had to. So it's the same way here. Our job is to invite Jesus in. Invite him in. Get him there. And then when, and then when you get, when these people come, they'll actually know that he's there. But some churches don't want Jesus there. They talk about him. They preach about him. But they don't invite his presence in. You with me? So when other people come because they think Jesus is there, you never invited him. But it does not mean that he can't be found because he can. He's somewhere, right? He's everywhere. So here he is. He's in this house. It's noise abroad. These people are coming. They can't get in. They're met with adversity. But they decide, we're not carrying this boy back. Amen? <laughs> I love you, but I ain't carrying you back. You either going to get healed today, or we're just going to leave you right here. We're tired of dealing with you. So they decided to rise above their situation and just believe. Now remember what I told you. They just heard that Jesus was there. They couldn't see him because of the people. I venture to say they probably couldn't hear him, but they heard he was there. So they decided, we're just going to believe. And we're going to rise above. I can't see him. I can't hear him. I can't touch him. I don't feel him. Amen? Wherever that's the place is that you're looking for Jesus, if you can't see him, hear him, touch him, you can't feel him, don't quit. Amen? Don't quit. Rise above your situation and begin to tear off the roof. The, the Bible said they begin, to, they begin to break it up. They begin to break up, right, this obstacle, this burden, this thing that's holding them back from seeing Jesus. Here's the deal. If you and I aren't feeling Jesus, if you and I aren't seeing Jesus, if you and I aren't experiencing Jesus, yes, it could be the fault of the church that you're attending because they're quenching the Spirit of God, but ultimately, God is not going to say one day that you didn't receive my son as your Savior, you didn't receive the healing you're after, that you were after because that church down there didn't do what they were supposed to do. He's going to say, you, you are the reason you didn't receive. Amen? These old boys could have went away and said, oh, place is full. Sorry, buddy, we're leaving you here. We did our best and walked away. But they didn't. They realized that the situation was in their hands if they were going to get to Jesus. Rose above it and began to tear down the problem. The, the house was the problem. The people weren't the problem. The house wasn't big enough. Amen? That was the problem. So they began to tear the roof off of that thing so that they could gaze upon Jesus. And as they broke it apart, they just began to throw pieces away, right, until there was nothing else separating them 
from the love of God, which was Christ, right below them. Right below them. So, so this, this story is so powerful in the fact that they recognized the issue and they began not throwing people out, but doing away with the, doing away with the hindrance that was in front of them. We always want to blame somebody else. But the reality is, we all have our own walls. And those walls were built by us. Amen? Those walls are built by us, and we put the roof over top of it, and we're the ones, right, that keep ourselves from getting ultimately to where Jesus is. Full of emptiness. We're full, but we're full of emptiness. So they tear this roof off, and the Bible says they let down the bed. This one that was sick of palsy who was laying there. Once they got the hindrance out of the way, once they revealed themselves to Jesus, they began to just cast their burden upon the Lord. Amen? That's what they did right here. They took the roof off, which, which exposed them to Christ. Amen? And they were able to let their burden down to Jesus. Man, we got to lift the roof off. Amen? Our churches have got to lift the roof off. We've got to take the hindrance that we've set in the, in the place, in the way, and we've got to quit worrying about what other churches think about us. We've got to quit worrying about what governments think about us. We've got to quit worrying about people that visit us for the very first time are going to think of us if somebody starts running around shouting, praising the Lord. We've got to quit worrying about all those things because the stuff that you and I are worried about is the very thing that they're looking for. Amen? People are looking for Jesus. That's what they're looking for. And they're looking for Jesus. Where do you find Jesus? Where does he live? He lives in our hearts. He said, let your light so shine before men. Amen? That's what he said. How do you let your light shine? Live it. Amen? Live it. Preach it. Teach it. That's what we're supposed to do. Right? And he should be living through us and in us. The things that Jesus did in his day, he said we'd be able to do too because of him. And it should be happening. So they let this down. They exposed themselves to Jesus. They could see him. He could see them. Can't you imagine when he started tearing that roof off? It had to get Jesus' attention. Right? They could hear all this noise up there. Jesus is trying to talk to people here, and he's hearing all this noise. He had to be looking up. right? And when they tore that roof off, Jesus looked at him, and they looked at him. What a beautiful thing. And then he just dropped that old boy down. And it says here in the next verse, after they let this fellow down who was sick with his palsy, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What? They didn't set him down in there to be forgiven of sins. They set him down there to get up and walk. Is that right? He had palsy. They wanted him healed. And Jesus looked at him and said, Because of y'all's faith, I'm going to save him. And later goes on to say that the Pharisees got mad at Jesus because they said it was blasphemy. How, who, how dare him try to tell somebody they're forgiven of sins and God's the only one that can do that? And Jesus said, Well, just so you know, he said, what, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or you're healed? But he just said, just so you know, he said, take up your bed and walk. And the old boy got up and he began to walk out of there. So I point that out to you just to tell you, again, remember, Jesus' number one goal is to see people saved. Amen? Saved. You need to be saved more than you need to be healed. But he also heals. But forgiveness is what he's after. So this full, full of emptiness, I'm afraid... Then in our, our churches, churches meaning our people, there's a lot of emptiness there. A lot of us haven't even experienced Jesus the way we should experience Him. 
And the only reason why you won't experience Jesus is because we hadn't invited him in. Amen? We either haven't invited him in. Uh, we choose not to, to continue once he's there to build a relationship with him. And then three, we just don't worship him the way we should worship him. Those three things. Churches have got to go back to worshiping God. And here's what happens. We get in church and we're more concerned about making sure that the service goes in the time frame that it should go in. Right? Because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to lose members because we're, we go over five or ten minutes in a church service. So we're more concerned about staying to the program than we are about Jesus. We're more concerned about when somebody starts getting a little bit excited for the Lord because we don't know what they're going to do. We're, we're more concerned about trying to quench that and let's hurry up and get on out of the service before something crazy happens. Right? And we don't want that to happen because, you know, we've got visitors here. <laughs> you know, Damien, he gets excited about the Lord. He's going to grab the flag and start running. And they're going to think we're nuts. So we just try to hurry up and quench the spirit real quick. And, all right, hurry up. Let's, let's just end the song faster and let's get out of here. There's a lot of things that we're doing. See, church has become about what man wants to do rather than God. Right? We want to fill the house talking about Jesus, but we don't want Jesus there. You with me? There was a lot of places, and Jesus tells us that in this word, in the last days, you're going to hear that the Messiah is here, the Messiah is there, the Messiah is here, the Messiah is there. What did Jesus say? Don't you pay no attention to that. Amen? That's what he said. People are saying it right and left. Jesus is here, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. Man, we're getting up talking about these wonderful services, places packed with people. we got everything going right. we got everything a church service needs but Jesus. Amen? But Jesus. People are coming just like they were coming there, but they're walking away with the same burden they had when they came. And churches are left struggling trying to find out how to fill every seat. How do we fill every seat? What do we do? Well, it must be we need this other program. We need this other program, right? We need to do this. We need to do that, right? Somebody comes up and says, I preach, I think the way to do it, I think if we do this, we'll get some people. And that's good, and they get you one or two. And let's do this here, and we get four or five more. And before you know it, a few years down the road, that one's done died out, that one's died out, and this one's died out, right? And we just fill that with another program. And we're trying to get people here. So we decide, let's have a fall festival. Sure, that's going to do it, right? We'll get people here. Well, they're going to come if you feed them. They're going to come. They're going to come if you give stuff away free. People are going to come. But they're going to leave just as empty as they did when they came. They got no Jesus there. Or they might got a little bit of Jesus while you're out there, right? <laughs> We could call Duncan, what do you call that, bobbing for apples, uh, baptizing for Jesus. I don't know, you can call it whatever you can call it and make it sound good, but they're going to walk away with a wet head and a half-bitten apple. Who would want to do that anyway? You ever thought about bobbing for apples? Them other 15 people went before, you probably didn't brush their teeth. You don't know what slobber you're opening your mouth and putting it in there with. Snot, people come up by them things, stuff just running. And we're just excited to get behind them and go, I'm next, I'm next. <laughs> Y'all ever bob for apples? I have. You and I are blessed by God to still be living. Coronavirus, we didn't know nothing about no coronavirus then. We'd have been dead people today if that was the case. Somebody bobbing in there for corona with the coronavirus, we're all gone. I'll never bob for apples again. Y'all won't either. Y'all to ban that. Goodness. But anyway, but we have all these things and we tie Jesus to it, but then there's just emptiness. 
What we have to do is what these guys did. They were determined to find out for themselves. They were determined to remove whatever barrier was in their way, and they were determined to see Jesus face to face. Amen? Determined. We as a church have to make sure when people come that they experience, that they experience Jesus face to face. And the only way to do that is to be genuine. Be genuine. I know, church, I know of churches that are seeking the supernatural so much that they start manufacturing it. That's just as wrong as not having it. Don't manufacture the Spirit of God. If it's not in you, you can't make it happen. And people know it's not. But those that are filled with God, those that are truly saved, we should just come in and worship God regardless of what anybody else says, regardless of what else is taking place, so that people won't have to hear that Jesus is there. They'll know He's there. Amen? That's how it works. See, I asked Keith, I said this the other day, I said, Keith, do you think if Brother Craig was here and he's right there in a service, the Spirit of God's moving so great that Brother Ken walks over and puts his hand on him and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And he got up out of that wheelchair and danced around this church and left that wheelchair here. Do you think we'd have a problem filling this house on Wednesday night? We'd have a problem, as I said to you, trying to find out where to put them. Amen? <clears throat> That's what would happen. So what we need to do is focus on Jesus and let him do the rest of that. It's not up to us to do all that other stuff. It's, we, we feel like we're going to carry on church. All we got to do is come in here and worship him and be obedient to him, seek him, and he'll do the rest. You'll see people healed. You'll see people saved. You'll see the supernatural happening. But it's because our hearts are on him. We're, our hearts are on Him. We're not going to let anything separate us from Him. We're not going to let our job keep us from being here. We're not going to let our health keep us from being here. We're not going to let nothing stop us from being in the house of God and worshiping Him. Amen? You, you ought to get up here sometimes. Those of you, just, just tell Sister Katie and Sister Heather that you just want to come up here and help them sing on a Sunday or a Wednesday. And just watch. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I love y'all. But any church you pick, man, they're singing their heart out trying to lead us to worship. And there's about 10 that's involved and everybody else is. There's all kind of stuff happening. Amen? I mean, there's stuff like, I mean, <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. A preacher, I'm just wrong. I'm, I'm reading my Bible. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's not because I've seen it. Right? You got people out here that's on Candy Crush and all kinds of other stuff. You got folks doing all kinds of things. And man, you're up here trying to worship. And they, now I know we, they ain't up here to try to get you. They're not cheerleaders. But you just got to look out there sometimes. And Pastor Keith and I, any of you to have a preacher teach, do the same thing. You're looking out there, and you got one of them, their neck's broke, sleeping. You got another one, right? They're, they're fussing with somebody, or they're doing something. Else. And folks ain't got their mind on Jesus. Amen? We have got to, we got to make him priority. If we're going to see our church filled, if we're going to see all those things that the Bible says, signs that follow believers, we got to get serious with God. Amen? These old boys were serious with Jesus. They didn't come all that way just to walk away empty-handed. They didn't come all that way not to see this boy healed. They didn't come all that way not to experience Jesus. When they walked away that day, don't you know they had a pep in their step? Amen? Number one, they wasn't carrying him. But number two, man, they experienced something phenomenal. They experienced the Son of God. I've experienced him. Some of you have experienced him. But I want to experience him more. I want the true 
blessings of God to be here. And in churches all over the world, the church, the last day's church, is a powerful church. It's not an empty church. It's full of power. It's full of grace. It's full of mercy. It's full of everything that's Jesus, not emptiness. But our churches today are, so, are empty, and churches are closing, right? And there's no spirit there. Man, people leave church, and they're yawning when they go out the door, right? I mean, it's just, you see what I'm saying? We need Christ. We need Him. Man, we just got to get above ourselves and above our situation and get ourselves in a position to see Him face to face. And when we do that, everything else will go away. Everything. Doesn't mean you won't have problems. You have all those, it doesn't mean all that. But it means that you have, now have a Savior in your corner. And you're in a position with Him that He's going to help you no matter what, whatever's going to take place. Here's the thing with God. When the Lord touches you and saves you, He's with you. It's the best insurance policy you'll ever have. It's the best assurance policy you'll ever have. He don't just bless you then and walk away from you. He blesses you then and walks with you. Amen? That's God. And He'll do that. If we're walking around empty, it's our fault, not His. We chose to let our walls that we built stop us, and we just move on. And accept where we're at. We'll let a worship team come here today. And, and, I, and I hope, I hope, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of been all over the board here. But I hope this was a blessing to you and you can see what we're talking about. Guys, our church, our church is a powerful entity. And churches anywhere should be. We've just got to let go of what's in us and let God do what he's going to do. And if we don't have him in us, we need to get him in us that, we can, that he can do what he wants to do. Truly, there's people that are going to be coming to this church and they're seeking something more than just people. They're seeking more than just two or three songs, an offering taken up, you know, a, shake, a handshake here and a hug out the door. All that's great, but that's what we do. But they want to experience what Jesus does. Okay? That, that's what they're after. They love us. They want to be around us, but don't make no mistake about it. People come to church, hopefully, because they want Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They don't want to see me. They don't want to see all of us, although that's great. But ultimately, they're here to see Jesus. We've got to start seeing those signs that follow believers. And the only way to do that is to believe in the one that gives them and worship him. Trust him. Just believe. Jesus told a fellow in the Bible, just believe. Just believe. If you can just believe, all things are possible. All things are possible. And we'll see God do amazing things. And you'll know it's true and it's not made up. But it's real and it's powerful. And it's something that once it begins to go, we'll just fuel that and God will do amazing things. He'll do amazing things. So I pray that when we come back together Sunday, on the 12th next Sunday, that all of us will come with our hearts and our minds made up to just worship God. Just come and worship Him. And just don't let nothing else be on your mind, all your problems, all your cares. Let me tell you something. You're going to continue to have problems and cares. Just leave them outside the door and come in and worship God. And just maybe when you leave, maybe some of those cares and burdens will be taken care of. But we've got to worship Him and honor Him and glorify Him. He already knows we got problems. We don't have to tell Him every moment of our lives. 
Just come in and worship Him and praise Him. And let God deal with those things. He'll deal with them. Did you know the Bible says that when you pray, when you pray the very first time, that that prayer goes into a vial or a bowl, and the Bible says those angels carry those bowls before the Lord continuously in front of His throne. Read it in the book of Revelation. Constantly. He knows where we are. He knows our situation. What He's looking for is for us to worship Him and believe He's able to take care of the prayer you just prayed. That's what we got to get to. That's what He's after. That's what God's after. And He'll show up and do the rest. Okay? We need to be empty, our full vessels full of Christ, not empty. Not full of vain words, but full of the Word, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again as I come before you here today, I thank you, Lord, for the 